Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Welcome to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast that explores the stories and the circumstances of Canadian missing persons cases. In this episode, our story is going to take us to Bathurst, New Brunswick. On the morning of May 11th, 2021, 14-year-old Madison Wah Boudreau said goodbye to her dad and dashed out the door heading towards the stop where she catches her school bus each morning. The only thing memorable about that morning or that day is that Madison didn't return home after school as expected. Odd, but not completely out of character for a social and energetic 14-year-old. But when she didn't turn up by curfew, her father knew something wasn't right. And it's at this point the desperate search for Madison begins. And now, just about a year later, the search for Madison continues. However, developments in the case have changed the scope, the context, and the expectations of the search. The police force investigating Madison's disappearance have made it clear that they're not expecting to find her alive. But that doesn't change the fact that her family and her loved ones need to find her. So with all that said, let's get into it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, series co-hosts Ashley Drake and I will discuss the disappearance of then 14-year-old Madison Wah-Boudreau. Every day, Madison Roy Boudreau's father takes his ATV and searches for his daughter. His sister Linda Boudreau says the months have dragged on with not a lot of details. Roy Boudreau went missing on May 11th and hasn't been seen since. Police have conducted several searches, including an aerial search, but so far have reported no findings or information on the case. Sergeant Julie Dago of the Bathurst Police Force says in an email statement they've updated the public as much as possible without compromising the investigation. They say the family is getting updates. But Boudreau says it has been frustrating. She says Madison's father is at a breaking point. It's kind of her not knowing what's going on, where your daughter is. Ashley Drake, it's great to see you. It's been a couple weeks. We yeah. had to we had to shuffle things around. Do you want to talk at all about what's been going on in your life? Yeah, I had the stomach flu and COVID at the same time. Oh, like yeah. Uber COVID. Yeah, so I made it through the whole pandemic, not getting anything, and then both of them at the same time. Yeah. So, but you survived. You lived to I tell. I survived. About it. Lived to tell. Yeah. And yeah. now you got to, for people who've caught COVID, you have like uber immunity because like since you've mm-hmm. had it and all that stuff it's like you're ready to conquer the world now yeah as the rest of us are like yeah you know running in fear of whatever the heck's happening out there you're just like yeah i'm going downtown tonight yeah yeah <laughs> gonna live it up <laughs> yeah. i think we're good for what is it like three months or something or six months you, you can't catch it again i don't know the you're, rules anymore but the, the rules i think that's actually not a rule but a, like a biological oh. kind of uh, <laughs> well they change thing. them all the time <laughs> 
Yeah, science. Um, yeah, no, I get it. Well, I'm glad that uh, you're able to talk and you live to tell yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, you didn't have any weird like coughing and wheezing on a ventilator. So no, 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 Anyone? none of us. Yeah, we were all good. The stomach flu was a lot worse than COVID. So oh, yeah. yeah, that's awful. Especially I get it with kids when it, when all three of you are sick, man, that's a it nightmare. It was horrible. Right? Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> ever do that again. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to it. We, we got uh, a a real twisted story here mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. And this one, I, I consider this uh, a high profile case, the story of missing Madison Roy Boudreaux from New Brunswick. I've been following her story since she disappeared because a, you know, a 14 year old young woman disappearing is a, a big deal. Um, do you know the story? Well, like, were you following this as it happened up until now? I wasn't following it, but I I was familiar with it. Um, she just looks so young. I mean, she is so young, but I mean, when you mm-hmm. see that picture, it just really you know sets it home that she's a child essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's one thing to hear fourteen year old, but when you see her photo, yeah. she's like a little fourteen year old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did it, yeah. So it's 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 a story that I think um, it has become high profile simply because. All signs are pointing to this having a bad outcome. Yeah. Um, and, we'll, and we'll get into that as we go. But also just there's enough information out there, but enough, but also a lot held back by police that has just led like there to be lots of holes in what we know about her story. And I think that has really stimulated, you know, conversations surrounding her case. And that's kind of what I say, why I say this, this says at least on the east coast of Canada, become a higher profile case that has a lot of discussion. There's a Facebook group that's very active, dedicated just to this case. Yeah. Um, but one thing, like when, when I started reading about it and, and trying to put Madison's story together, I, I found like I couldn't find a lot out about her and who she was. But I think the, the, the real source that I found to get a good look at, you know, what what her personality was like and what her life was like prior to her disappearance she actually has a youtube channel did you stumble upon this by chance i didn't no no she, she doesn't have she didn't seem like she was very active but she did make several videos that is like a typical 14 year old she's with her friends singing and uh, dancing kind of stuff yeah. cross-legged on the floor singing yeah. songs that people much younger than me probably would recognize. Yeah. Tell me what does it look like in heaven? What I got from what I read and what I saw on this YouTube channel is she seemed to be someone who enjoyed life, seemed to be love her friends, love having fun, and just overall it just it struck me as a happy young fourteen year old girl living in Small town, New Brunswick, for the most part. Bathurst is yeah. not not a large city by by any means. Uh, you may know better than me. A fourteen year old. What what grade would that be? Should be like grade nine. I was thinking like grade seven or eight. Yeah, because you would yeah. have your driver's license by like nine yeah. around grade nine around then. So yeah, so she'd be like a grade seven. Yeah. So this is a like a young kid, really. Yeah, it is a child. Yeah. I, I'm not great with age, so when I hear fourteen, it's it's hard to think of what I think, what that is, but I, I I can relate to grade better I think than the number of age. And I think it's just hard because fourteen year olds and teenagers aren't really like the same as they were when we were that age. They're, they seem so mature now compared to when mm-hmm. we were little. Yeah. yeah. But when I was in grade seven, though, when I was fourteen, I was like 
a little immature kid. Yeah. And when you hear kind of this this story of the timeline that uh, leads up to Madison Madison Roy Boudreau, um, when when you hear the articles, it's said with a thick French accent, and I can't do it. So in I'm yeah. going to be saying Madison Roy Boudreau, but they yeah. When I watch the articles, it's it's they say it much better for yeah. a, fran- a francophone, <laughs> but um. Her timeline of this disappearance, it really starts off with a, a typical morning. She's at home. Her dad sees her leave 7.30 in the morning on May 11th, 2021. He sees her leave that morning to go catch her bus. So very typical interaction, um, which like as a father with a school-aged child, the idea that this is like a, kind of a key moment is strange. But she leaves the house at 7.30 a.m., to get her bus to go to school. Um, we'll get back to what we believe happens next, but the missing persons report, or the fear, I guess, begins when that evening when she misses curfew. So he sees her go to school. She doesn't show up at the after school. We're, I'm assuming that maybe that wasn't a big deal. She doesn't get home after curfew. Father gets worried, calls the Bathurst police and files a missing missing persons report yeah. that day. This morning, the Bathurst Police, the RCMP and search and rescue teams began searching this heavily wooded area behind me on St. Anne Street. They're looking for 14-year-old Madison Roy Boudreau. She has been missing since May 11th. Police say they have been searching for evidence that would lead them on a path to finding her. But as of late this afternoon, police have not been able to locate Madison. Kelsey Morrison says she's been helping search for Madison with other members of the community since the day after she was reported missing. I knew that I could help, so I got involved and um, we've put some teams together to search different areas and uh, we weren't successful in finding much. But I'm hoping that today on the ground search and rescue what they're doing, they're going to be able to find something. I've spoken with several members of Madison's family. They say they are concerned for her safety and want to see her come home. So initially, that's what's known about the 11th. Um, you were a young a young woman, young girl at one point. Uh, it, what would you imagine like her father would be thinking or what you know what would a 14 year old girl get up to that maybe he's thinking you know my daughter's blank and that's why she didn't get home i don't know i always was just i checked in so often with my parents i just mm-hmm. always had such a close relationship that i think it would have been before 11 that they would have questioned me not being there but i mean if she mm-hmm. was in some kind of activities i guess and like i don't know there's you know after school maybe she plays sports or something i don't mm-hmm. yeah or, or even just like I'm thinking I had a longer leash growing up, yeah. so it wouldn't be unusual for me after school to just go to a friend's house, lose track of time. Yeah. Again, this is May, so the weather's great and right. who knows what I'd get up to. Yeah. But again, come 11 o'clock, uh, yeah. a 14-year-old girl doesn't call or show up yeah. uh, or post anything online or anything. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's this is something I'll, I'll say a lot during this recording is that there's a lot that hasn't been made public about his case, this case. Yeah. For all we know, maybe dad called the school and found out she didn't show up for school that day. And, you know, that would certainly lead to panic. She's reported missing just after 11 o'clock on the 11th of May. In the investigation that kicks off from there, it happens very fast. And I think... We can assume that 
a person of interest is identified early on, um, although the police have yet to say it now over a year later, but what has happened, or just about a year later, what has happened is after she disappears, or after dad reports her missing, police canvass the area. They're talking to her friends, checking security camera as, as they would. And very er- very early on, we don't know when, but it seems like maybe the next day, it was determined that somebody had seen her getting into a vehicle shortly after she went out of her house to go towards the bus. So like, you know, like eight in the morning before getting on the bus to go to school, somebody he saw her getting in a gray Ford Ranger pickup truck. When when that is learned, I'm thinking people are probably already thinking like, what the heck is going on here? Like a 14 year old girl at eight in the morning getting in a truck rather than school bus yeah i don't know that's maybe i'm just like a paranoid but i'd already be like oh what the hell is going on here yeah that's a huge red flag Mm -hmm. and something we we don't know what again but something very quickly after that lead police to identify the truck they find out who owns the truck where the truck's kept and they begin surveilling a property uh, the property and the owner of the truck and all this stuff will become very important. But again, this is happening really fast. They hear she's in, she got in the truck. They start surveilling the truck. I believe um, just a matter of like a day or two later, they arrest the owner of the truck. We assume we'll get to why it's an assumption. Yeah. But they also um, take custody of the truck. So two or three days later, the truck's taken and the owner of the truck is taken into custody. Um, at this point, it's already all over Facebook and social media that she's missing. Her posters are everywhere in their civilian searches, as well as like official searches happening uh, around New Brunswick um, in the Bathurst area, searching for her. The, the majority of the information that became publicly known comes out in a police press conference. I think you watched it. I, I know I did. Did you yeah, see it? Yeah, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for our media representatives for being here this afternoon. Uh, just a few housekeeping items insofar as the process uh, for today's uh, press conference. Uh, essentially, the uh, chief of police will be addressing uh, the audience. Uh, once that is done, we will open up the floor to questions in the scrum format, in a press conference format. I invite the chief of police, Stefan Roy. Good afternoon, everyone. So on Tuesday, May 11th, 2021, at 11.18 p.m., the Bathurst Police Force received the complaint of a missing persons report. Madison Roy-Boudreau was reported missing by her father, who indicated to police that the last time he saw his daughter was at approximately 7.30 a.m. on that morning as she was heading off to school. At this time, the patrol section initiated a missing persons investigation and began reaching out to some of Madison's contacts to see if anybody had heard from her. On Wednesday, May 12th, through the course of their investigation, officers were able to confirm that Madison got into a gray Ford Ranger pickup truck the morning of Tuesday, May 11th. Quickly, and with the assistance of the public, officers were able to identify and locate the truck in question. Police immediately searched the residence and property where the pickup truck was located in an effort to locate Madison. Subsequently, officers maintained surveillance on this truck and the residence until the following day. On Thursday, May 13th, 
Subsequent to the continued investigation into this matter, officers arrested the driver of the pickup truck and took him into custody. Later, the pickup truck was also seized by virtue of a warrant. On Friday, May 14th, Stephen Lorette, 42 years old of South Tedegush, was brought before provincial court and charged with failing to comply with the conditions of a court undertaking. Police objected to his release and he remains in custody at this time. Between Wednesday, May 12th and Sunday, May 16th, a substantial amount of video evidence, neighborhood canvassing and eyewitness testimony was retrieved by police as part of their investigation. All of the information received led us to believe that the last suspected location of the pickup truck on the morning of May 11th, following the moment Madison got in the truck, was at a quarry situated at 2100 St. Anne Street in Bathurst. Officers from the Bathurst Police Force, along with the assistance of the RCMP K-9 unit and RCMP Forensic Identification Unit, did a search of this area with the services of an aerial drone. In total, about 1.75 kilometers of terrain was identified as a search area. The search was on an area of unpredictable terrain and thick wooded areas. The search continued on Thursday, May 20th and Friday, May 21st. Volunteers worked tirelessly for 12 to 16 hour days for three consecutive days. Unfortunately, we have not yet been able to locate Madison. We understand that throughout this process, some members of the public had questions regarding the search for Madison. However, we must note that there's a clear distinction between what is a missing persons report and what is a criminal investigation into a missing persons report. We are conducting a criminal investigation into a missing persons report. And as such, we are not at liberty to disclose pertinent information to what could eventually be for a criminal proceeding, this for fear of jeopardizing or compromising the integrity of the investigation. What, like, what stood out to you most about the press conference? Just the lack of answers that they were able to give, which is, you know, common, I suppose. But it just, it mm -hmm. seemed right from the start that they knew there was more going on. And, you know, they couldn't have us, the, you know, the general public interfering with the, the you know, the proceedings, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's, that's really what stood out. But in the press conference, something that really changes the public perception of Madison Roy Boudreaux's disappearance is and it was done in such a nonchalant way the police present a timeline of what is known and then in that they randomly said um in on and then they gave a different date like you know like the next day um Bathurst police arrested a man named Stephen Lorette was arrested yeah and then they just kind of continued on but they didn't say like what he was arrested for if he was the owner of the truck and whatnot and it and then the press conference just kind of trailed off but what came out is um a lot of people were asking like who is this guy why is he involved in the why is he involved in your timeline is he connected with madison's disappearance is he a suspect um i was curious does the family know the man in custody again that that's information that's okay. highly sensitive to the case so i won't disclose that and was there any evidence of Madison found in the truck that was seized? Again, part of the investigation. Unfortunately, I can't disclose that. Okay. I wonder if you could tell me what the exact charge against Mr. Lorette was and whether it was in connection with Madison? I can tell you that he's charged for failing to comply with the conditions of a court undertaking. And I cannot comment on whether or not it's in connection to Madison. Okay. Can you say and what that undertaking was? 
I can't specify because there's a, a, a publication ban on the case. Okay. Sorry, if I understood correctly, you said that you you can't confirm if the man in, in custody is linked to the gray truck, correct? I can't. I'm sorry. What I can't. Did the truck belong to the the Stephen Lorette? I can't comment on that. That's part of the investigation. Are you able to tell us uh, why he why his arrest is included in this timeline? Then why his arrest is included in this timeline? Because, yeah, because the public knows that he's been arrested, and they had questions on why he was arrested in the same time period. Can you can can you comment on what, if it's linked to this investigation? I can't because there's a non-publication ban on the case. Okay. Uh, what the, they said initially is that people know that he was arrested on unrelated charges. He was actually arrested for failing to comply with a court order. He had a court order to stay away from children yeah. under the age of 16 unless they were with an adult who knew that he was under investigation for s crimes against sexual interference against a child. Yeah. Um, so that's what he was arrested for. But when they, when the, which is just, it, it's like with such a vague way to go about like inserting him into the story and the timeline. What did, yeah, you, I thought that was so strange too. And they didn't really like leave him in the story. That was it. They just, that they just said his name and then that was it. Mm -hmm. When clearly and, there's and the, more going on. The next detail or, or series of details that come out is police, um, share the detail that after Madison was seen getting in the vehicle, this truck, uh, they had reason to believe and incredible information led them to know that almost immediately the truck went from where it picked her up, which was near her bus stop, to a quarry, um, like a rock quarry, kind yeah. of like an industrial, like mining sort of site in Bathurst. Uh, very quickly, it went from getting her to that area. And that area became like the absolute center of the search uh, for just about two weeks. There was basically nonstop searching by like, again, official search parties and civilians getting involved in it. And I'm thinking at this point, like I can only imagine what her, what her family must've been thinking, but the idea that a young girl's missing people involved are arrested, the truck is taken and they're searching a quarry. Like that's, it's already, pretty damn dark yeah that's every parent's worst nightmare yeah. yeah it's it's at this point that the case at least for the summer pretty much slows down there's discussion online people wondering who the Stephen lorette man is and any questions to the bathurst police either went unanswered or were returned with for the sake of the investigation we can't answer it yeah it's surprising because it took off so quickly, more so than any other missing persons case. They had all of the, you know, it seemed like they had the answers up front, yeah. day after day like, after day, like, and then all of a sudden just, it went cold. She was always a bubbly person, like, she, she loved to sing, she loved to dance, she, she put smiles on her face. Seen together in a photograph from 2012, Linda Boudreau says her niece, Madison Waugh Boudreau, is missed terribly. The hardest part is not seeing her, not every time she saw me it was big hug. She should be here. It's now been one month since the 14-year-old was reported missing after missing curfew. Her dad instantly suspecting something was wrong, and that unease has only grown stronger in the weeks since. He's taken that really hard, like, 
constantly crying. Like, we're pretty sure something happened now. Two weeks ago, police announced the investigation is now criminal, saying they'll give no further updates until there's a break in the case, apparently leaving even Madison's dad in the dark. Like, it's been, I think, a week and a half since they've called him. I feel that because it is not one of their children, they don't care no more. Bathurst police did issue a brief statement Friday morning on the one-month mark, saying the investigation is ongoing, but they believe it to be an isolated incident with no ongoing threat to the population. Global News reached out for more, but was told again that no real statements would be made until there's a substantial development. It's been horrible. It's just it's hard to believe she's not here. Like. Bathurst police still asking anyone who might have information to come forward one month later. Again, the Stephen Loretta is a mystery. We'll talk a bit about what we know about him. So again, he was arrested shortly after she disappeared uh, for not following a court order. Uh, and again, the court order was that he not be in the presence of girls under the age of 18 unless they're accompanied or he's accompanied by someone over 18 who's aw who's aware of the investigation against him that's a awful court order to be uh yeah to be required and what the, the reason for this court order is he was charged in september of 2019 with sexual assault and sexual interference um you know sexual interference is a lot worse than how it sounds if if you're charged with sexual interference that means uh, that applies to a person who for a sexual purpose touches directly or indirectly a part of the body or with an object any part of the body of a person under the age of 16 years that is what sexual interference is so you may say he was charged with sexual interference but i would call it like molesting a kid yeah yeah so what we have on the table then at this point she's last seen getting in a truck police got the truck they were in, a, in and around a quarry. They searched the quarry. They found nothing. Some guys arrested who, for breaching his condition that he stay away from children because he's facing charges for molesting or sexually assaulting yeah. a child. Yeah. So it's the, like the picture forms as to what could possibly happen, have happened. Um, but again, the question is still, you know, where is Madison? And much like how this Stephen Lorette got dropped into the story kind of like nonchalantly during a press conference, the police hold another press conference on August 11th, uh, a very short one. It was done unceremoniously on their Facebook page. And wow. I don't know why I say that as if it's a weird thing, but it just seems like okay. the development that they share, the idea of them doing it on Facebook just seems like. I don't know, like a really casual way. So but... I was going to say casual too. Yeah. Yeah. So on a, and did you watch this one, the August 11th press conference? I think did I, I did. Okay. It was, it was very short, but basically what it is, is it's the police officer like sitting in front of a camera and he gives an update on the case. And while he's updating, he said, we are considering the, the disappearance of Madison Roy Boudreau, a homicide. Hello to all. I'm Stefano Roy. Chief of Police for the Bathurst Police Force. The Bathurst Police Force are pursuing the investigation into the disappearance of 14-year-old Madison Leroy Boudreau. We now deem Madison to have been the victim of a homicide and have been deploying all resources accordingly. As this is an active homicide investigation, 
we cannot name the primary suspect. This is a major incident that is shaking the core of this community. The RCMP underwater recovery team are involved with searches of the waterways in the Middle River area. The RCMP Tactical Support Group ground search team are involved with searches of numerous identified sites in the Middle River area. These searches have led to obtaining additional evidence which are currently being processed. Our thoughts are with Madison's family and friends as we continue our efforts. Anyone with information regarding the disappearance of Madison of Wobbledore is asked to call the Bathurst Police Force at 548-0420. Information can also be provided anonymously through Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Thank you. In reading online, again, as I mentioned, like looking at Facebook pages and posts made by friends and family, it seems like like we as the public are like, you know, what the hell is happening? It seems like her family and friends were saying the same thing. So I don't think they had much information as to what was going on. Um, And whenever there's like a story like this, if there's gaps, that's when just like kind of conspiracy theories and wild stuff you know, fill the empty spaces. Um, and that certainly has happened in Madison Roy Boudreaux's case, but a lot of it is surrounds Stephen Lorette justifiably. Right. What, what has come out and uh, one of the articles I read was an interview with a family member of Madison Roy Boudreaux um, talking about, and they were kind of talking about how the family's doing and if they have hope and, you know, they're holding out hope that she's going to be found in this interview. I, I don't know what media outlet it was with, but they explained that Stephen Lorette is not just some fella who's facing charges for um, sexual assault against a child and breaching the conditions that he stay away from child. He's actually, or from children, he's actually a lifelong close friend of Madison Roy Boudreaux's father. Yeah. So that kind of, I like I have it. It bugs me because I haven't seen anyone or anything confirm this, but I would basically at this point bet my life that Stephen Lorette owns that truck. Right. I think everybody thinks that. They, the, the police made it look like that. I mean, why would they say the truck and mention him and then not give any more information? Yeah. yeah. It, it's just weird that they wouldn't confirm that. There must be, like, maybe a lawyer who deals with, you know, prosecuting these kind of cases could explain why that yeah. is necessary. But it it just seems more so than any other case that I followed like this. This one, it seems like they're holding their cards so close. Yeah. All they've really asked for, the RCMP, and, and or the uh, Bathurst Police in Madison's case, is people um, in Bathurst on May 11th, that have security cameras look between, you know, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Yeah. This two-hour window. So Yeah, it's such a small window compared to some other cases. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, like, again, if they get to the point that they're deeming it a homicide in August, they don't just make that decision because she disappeared for two months or whatever, yeah. or three months. There has to be more to it where they know and they're they're keeping it private. And meanwhile, this guy's been in prison the whole time without facing any charges related to to Madison. Yeah. 
Um, and it basically has fallen silent since then, which is uh, really concerning and sad. Um, and it's just when when there's a story where it's like pretty, I don't know, I won't say obvious, but where there's a, a clear route the investigation should take. You want to just you want to freak out and get there, but I guess that's not how like effective law like enforcement works. Us sitting here, like we could do the work and put you know put him behind bars, but it's not that easy. You know, it's just like they clearly are working on something, and it they can't make a mistake and then him go free on the off chance that he you know there you know was the miscommunication or something. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and there there has been really since her her disappearance being ruled a homicide the, the one major development and this is more kind of a procedural and kind of behind the scenes development but it could likely make a big difference is that the police the, the Bathurst police which was like, like the local law enforcement in that city um, they passed the case on to New Brunswick RCMP and the reason for that is they got new information that sometime after Madison Roy Boudreaux was last seen in the Bathurst area. Like they had that sighting at the quarry in the truck. Um, they they place her in an area outside of Bathurst that is in uh, it's called Middle River, and that's in the it's about a fifteen minute drive from Bathurst. Yeah, and that's in the RCMP's uh, jurisdiction, and that gives the RCMP you know the authority to take over the case. And I can only assume that the RCMP would have more resources and more access to, you know, techniques to search and whatnot than like a, a small city or small town. Yeah. Um, I would think that it's a good thing that it's going to the RCMP. I would think so too. And I do know that um, when they announced that, and that was just, that's just happened very recently. Like that uh, Passover um, was this month. We're, we're recording this in April. So it was about two weeks ago yeah. that it passed over from Bathurst to police to the New Brunswick RCMP and when the RCMP kind of made a, a short statement they didn't really give any details but they told people in the Middle River area to expect to see specialty RCMP teams deployed so that could mean things like you know a dive team or yeah you know um like the dog searching with you know officer that sort of thing so when I, when I look at a map Middle River would be like a forest area, rivers, of course, Middle River's a major river, outside of Bathurst. So there would certainly be a spot, like a lot of spots to look if, you know, the the quarry in in Bathurst would have been the first spot. And, you know, they would have searched that from top to bottom. So if she wasn't there, you know, this Middle River area could certainly be a spot. But that said, um, time is on. Someone who wants to get away with this, time is on their side a little bit she's been missing now for almost a year um yeah i wonder what made the case kind of go cold in the first place yeah i think like if let's say they arrest let's uh, with the assumption that Stephen lorette is the owner of that truck and two days after she disappears they arrest him Mm -hmm. let's just talk this this out as if that's the case for him to get arrested for um being in you know uh in contact with a you know an uh, under 16 year old or 18 year old young woman or whatever maybe that was madison and maybe he said something like yeah i picked her up that morning and then i dropped her off yeah. and i don't know what happened to her you know or maybe they 
knew or they had good enough evidence that he had or that they were able to charge her and he was denying it and he's like you know those are kind of the two options i see yeah um but in either option if he is either has a story that involves him saying see ya, you're all right or denying it it, it's going to take someone else to come forward and be like, well, Stephen told me this and, you know, and, and that will stimulate the investigation. Yeah. So we can assume people saw Madison get in the vehicle with him. We can assume that someone saw the vehicle very shortly after go to this quarry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as what led to it being turned into a homicide... That is a big question. And what brought them to this middle river area? That That's the other big question. And it's not like um, it had to be something significant. Let's just say by chance, Stephen Lorette owns a cottage down in middle river mm-hmm. that he stays at in the summer. That wouldn't be enough for the Bathurst police to be, you know, to pass it on to the RCMP. There would have to be a credible, significant detail that, you know, Madison was last seen in your jurisdiction. So you're taking on the case. Yeah. So. I think what all of this points to is that certainly a 14-year-old young woman was was taken and killed by someone. The police have a really good understanding of what may have happened and they're not able to tell her family or the public despite you know a, a tremendous amount of public interest in the case. Yeah. Especially just, you know, being, like you said, a 14-year-old girl. I really feel for her family. Like, it's hard to say if this, you know, they know so much. The police seem to know so much. If that would be comforting to you or if that would be um, more frustrating because you're not getting that information, but they're getting closer to closing the case. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. a really hard situation for them to be in, I imagine. Yeah, because you want the job done well, right, yeah, so you kind of yeah. you got to give them a bit of a, a bit of room to do the job. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, I need to know. Uh, yeah. I saw a quote from I think from Madison Roy Boudreaux's aunt, who said something to the effect of, and, and this was they were questioning her about the Passover from Bathurst Police to RCMP, and I think what she said was something like, um, "Whatever they know that led them to rule this a homicide, I hope it leads to Madison." and leads to an answer in this story um which kind of tells me like they don't you know really know much new information will certainly come out when steven lorette goes to court on these unrelated charges because so far he hasn't been charged in in madison's death but or disappearance but he's going to be in court for the the allegations of sexual interference uh from 2019 and he's going to be in court for the uh, breaching the conditions. But those dates kept getting pushed back. And I don't think it's till like, I think I read spring of 2022 yeah. or no spring of 2023. Yeah. So like still like a year away from him going to court. But unless something major happens, I don't think like unless they find her or, or someone comes forward with information, I don't think the story is going to have its next step until that point comes because when he goes to court whether or not the police are going to want to share information with the media the media is going to get access to the court documents and we're going to learn a lot then yeah yeah um but i think like overall i think you don't really need to be a genius to to guess what has happened here and you know it's when i've been reading about madison's story 
it reminds me of there, there's really like two or three other stories that I've covered or that I've followed that involve a young woman using the internet to communicate with people without telling friends and family meet with those people yeah. we assume yeah and disappear there's one in particular it's a story that actually just had an anniversary it's a young woman from saskatchewan named michaela bali and it's very similar to this story where michaela bali i think she was i can't recall her age but she was similar but she basically went to school one morning and didn't show up at school uh security cameras kind of caught her going to a Tim Hortons, like in downtown in her town, hanging out for a little bit. And then she leaves Tim Hortons and, you know, goes to a couple other little shops and a bus station for a minute. And then is just never seen again. But a lot of what she was doing when in the CCTV footage, she's always on her phone, but she was using one of those apps that are, I don't know if a Snapchat or what, but it's one of the apps that it kind of deletes your messages yeah. and, and it has all this privacy built in. And because of that, um, police and her family haven't been able to figure out who she was talking to leading up to this disappearance. And and it's like all the theories in her case involve her meeting someone online, meeting with them in real life and finding herself in harm's way. Yeah. And it's like I almost could feel like in Madison Roy Boudreaux's case, it was something similar to that. But the twist is that the person connected to this case is like a lifelong good friend of her father's who is also facing charges for sexual interference with a child. Yeah. And so. they might have all those records of their conversations. You know, we wouldn't yeah. have access to that, the public, but. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. Like I would, I, the curious part of me would just love to know what they know, but I understand why it's kept close to the chest. But I think as far yeah. as like public support and advocacy, in a case like this, it's it's almost like like you shouldn't get involved in the rumor mill. Um, but there are people who are close to the people involved in the story that may know something. And I think the public like there's heat on anyone close to this because of the amount of public attention it's had. Yeah. Uh, especially in the area of Bathurst and you know across New Brunswick, this is a major yeah. story. But it's just. You know, whoever knows anything needs to just come forward yeah. and a 14 year old girl shouldn't disappear and her family shouldn't be finding out on a Facebook press conference that it's considered a homicide. Yeah. Yeah. We obviously want Madison to be found, but we want the person that did this to go to jail. So I guess however long it takes for that to happen. It's just it's frustrating. right? I couldn't imagine being in um her, her family's situation i want to thank you for joining ashley and i for a discussion surrounding the disappearance and assumed murder of madison wah boudreau for those listening who would like to follow this story more closely i encourage you to join the prayers for madison facebook group i've added a direct link in this episode's description as well if anyone out there has information related to madison's case please contact the New Brunswick RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Madison's family and friends deserve answers. Also, if there's a Canadian missing persons case you'd like to hear featured in this series, please let me know at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. I should also say that I prioritize cases submitted by friends and families, so be sure to fill me in if you have any connection to the missing person. 
And with all that said, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Nighttime. But before we part, I want to give some thanks. First, a big thanks to Ashley Drake for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. I'd also like to thank Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode and LJ from Dystopian Simulation Podcast for providing the intro and outro voice. But the biggest thanks of all goes to everyone who listens to Nighttime as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and it has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. Not only does it keep the show alive, it'll give you more of each topic than you find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. So for for about the price of a cup of coffee, help the show out and get more of it at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers. Lori, Lauren, and Dale, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. To anyone listening who wants to contribute a voice memo, a story idea, or feedback on the show, let's connect at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. I hope to hear from you soon, but until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. There's an end to
Since you were right, since you were right.